Welcome to Ethics of the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears. My guest today is Ray Kwong. Ray graduated from the Naval Academy in 1978 and served as a surface warfare officer specializing in electronic warfare. Ray retired from the U.S. Naval Reserve with the rank of commander. In 1994, Ray founded Trident Services Incorporated and remains chairman of the board of the directors. He is also the president and CEO of Epic Optics, a designer and manufacturer of state-of-the-art proprietary optics, LED, and laser illuminators. Welcome, Ray Kwong. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. Right. It's great to have you here because we have a subject that uh, a lot of people might wonder what we're doing with this, but it's all about innovation today. And you've got a great Navy career, but you also have a long career outside of the Navy touching on innovation. Let me let me ask you to start by giving us a little bit of background on what you've been doing for the last 30 years uh, as a engineering and technology and innovation manager out in, out of the marketplace. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I think that my my time in the Navy prepared me to be involved with engineering and innovation. My uh, last duty assignment was at the Joint Electronic Warfare Center. It taught me not just a lot about electronics, but um, about the whole uh, tit-for-tat that's involved with electronic warfare, where you uh, recognize an offense and you design a defense, and then you design an offense and they design a defense and it never ends. So when I got out of the Navy, I was involved in defense electronics, and then I migrated over to consumer electronics. And the uh, hamster wheel that you get on in consumer electronics never ends, where, as an example with Apple, uh, when they launch a set of new iPhones, they're already designing the next set of iPhones. Um, and that's, that's sort of the attitude that you have to understand and, and undertake if you want to be an, an innovator, that it never ends. The um, company that I had started, Epic Optics, was based on the fact that we were involved with telecommunications in the U.S., and it became this huge bubble, and then it burst. But unfortunately, all of our traditional optical engineering had migrated to fiber, and it was hard to recover that. So the, the U.S. had ceded their traditional optical engineering to the Far East, and uh, I recognize that as visual animals, we need to get back into that. So Epic Optics is set up to find niche markets to design unique and innovative uh, solutions to optical problems. The same applies to Triton Defense. We, we morphed Triton into a, a company that bridges the gap between DOD and technology companies. Dealing in DOD acquisition is is tremendously bureaucratic. It's uh, it's onerous for a startup company to implement all of the infrastructure and, and comply with the rules and regulations. And DOD acquisition has struggled to how to deal with uh, technology companies. So what Triton Defense does is license new technology, bring it into the government in a cheaper, better, faster way, and try to make it a win-win-win for all parties. So if I hear you right, Triton is a technology company, but a lot of that innovation is about innovation in process, innovation in procurement, innovation in figuring out how to best optimize the workflow that oftentimes the OD or government puts in front of people. Because quite frankly, how, how long ago was the F-35 uh, design actually put on paper? I think that whole concept started 30 years ago. And to date... That's a perfect example where before it ever 
reaches IOC uh, or initial operating uh, capability, they're already doing lifetime buys of components that they know will be obsolete. It's amazing. So, so let's talk about the, the, the broader fabric here of innovation, innovation in people, cultures, ideas. I mean, when you and I were back in the yard, um, Admiral Zumwalt had put out his Z-grams. That was innovative, right? That was innovative. It was the CNO talking directly to his people. And it speaks to the heart of, of what uh, innovation really is about, which is it applies to everything you do in life. It isn't just technology. You have to innovate your leadership skills depending on the situation that you're in. And I, I think Zumwalt did it in a unique way. When we were active duty, I tried to apply some of those uh, leadership uh, skills. Sometimes you find out that you don't have the best technology. That's a situation where you have to innovate in tactics. How will you address somebody's superior technology? And uh, we came across that in many ways when we were active duty, when the former Soviet Union had a tremendous number and uh, variation in cruise missiles. And we only had one. At that time, it was the, the Harpoon. So you had to figure out, how will I deal with cruise missiles? And so it becomes uh, an innovation in tactics. So let's, let's talk about innovation in a different way. And I want to talk about the, the word risk. You and I've talked about that a lot. I mean, as naval warriors, we don't mind jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. We don't mind landing a, a, a fighter aircraft on a pitching deck at night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But let's talk about the other types of risks that, number one, we're very concerned about taking, maybe they're professional risk or cultural risks or people risks or what have you. But number two, the fact that, quite frankly, we've got to take those risks. We've got to have that balance. Can you can you say a little bit about risk and risk tolerance as an innovator? Well, they're inversely proportional. You're, the higher your tolerance for risk, the, the broader your ability is to innovate. Unfortunately, as we get older, we start to worry about our careers. We start to worry about our supporting our families, and, and our risk tolerance goes lower and lower. And so you sort of draw back into a shell. Uh, what I've found out is that if you raise your risk tolerance, it, it opens up more channels to innovate. How do you do that? How do you raise your risk tolerance? And I'll, 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 I'll suggest an, an answer. Um, I don't know. You, you, you stand up in front of a crowd and sing. Uh, I know that sounds silly, but you're, you're risking a lot, right? You, you got to practice that, don't you? Uh, well, you, you do. You have to. Well, you're risking your self-esteem at that point. But um, I, I, I think that what's interesting is when you read about people who risked in warfare, um, they they boiled it down to one singular thought or idea, and it was it was not just survival. It was it was the man next to them, the man or woman next to them. And they didn't care about politics. They didn't care about who was their commander-in-chief. They, they cared about doing what was right at that point in time. And when you think about more the ramifications and the consequences of your actions, rather than doing the right thing or, or trying to broaden that scope of innovation, that's when you start to fail. Ray, this is great stuff. But let me let me ask you, how do you practice innovation or how do you learn innovation? Maybe you can tell us 
you know, give us a story about how you in your business have been an innovator? Well, that's a tough question. Let me, uh, let me give you one example that I found somewhat interesting. Uh, I'm not an aviator, but uh, I, I've rubbed elbows with enough aviators to understand how they fly, what they do, and some of the devices that they that they use that they that they relied on heavily. One of them was uh, or is their head-up display. If you talk to fighter pilots, they they love their head-up display. I had briefed the Secretary of the Air Force, the former Secretary of the Air Force, years ago. And I was trying to explain to him how the consumer electronics market works versus uh, DOD acquisition. And I, and I challenged him. I said, give me any problem. As long as it has to do with optics, I will show you how to do it cheaper, better, faster. And the chief scientist of the Air Force was in the room and he said, hey, uh, go find something really hard for these smart guys. And... Um, they came back and they said, design a digital HUD for the F-15E because we're struggling with the C's and D's and the requirements for the E is even harder. And I thought, okay, sure, we can do that. And we, we went back to our lab and I huddled up with the guys and said, all right, what's a HUD? And we figured it out. Um, interestingly enough, a head-up display was the first example of augmented reality where it presents data in front of your eyes focused to infinity so that it's all merged with reality. The amount of time it took for us to become, uh, to get under contract was longer than the amount of time it took for us to come up with a solution. So long story short, we came up with head-up display for the military uh, that passed the critical design review with no deficiencies but what we found out was it's just so hard to institute or implement a new feature into a, an old airplane. So we had to, to innovate and take a different approach. And our approach was if we can't make one for the military or get one that's FAA approved, then let's start at the bottom and work our way up. And we proved that we could actually make a focus to infinity augmented reality display uh, for general aviation, which has never been done before. And Ray, you're able to do that because what, you just think different? In fact, I'll tell you what, let's wrap it at this point. Let's do this again. And I wanna hear how you do that in our next episode. Sure, absolutely, I'd love to do it. You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.